Hang in there, idiot. Smiley Kaufman for 61. Wow. I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is The Smiley Show. Smiley, I cannot believe I'm saying this. I love that I'm saying this. The Sanderson Farms Championship was cannot miss television uh, today, I guess. Well, really today, coming down the stretch here on Sunday. And and I say today because you are in a car driving home from Jackson, Mississippi to Birmingham, Alabama. And and this is going to be a short one. This one, for those of you all who are accustomed to watching us on YouTube, this one is going to be video-less. His smiley is in in a dark car somewhere in the roads in in the American South. But Smiley, you were there with the final group. You were (laughs) witnessing uh, action that kind of came out of nowhere for a a FedEx Cup fall event. Can you just let's just start by just just assess the entire day and and the kind of emotions you experienced walking along with Ben Griffin, Carl Yuan, but also kind of seeing the playoff as well, the five man playoff that it came down to the Luke list eventually won. Yeah, dude, it was nuts. I mean, it was kind of a slow week. Uh, the golf course Thursday, Friday didn't play particularly hard. And the last two days, a uh, little cooler. The uh, wind showed up a little bit to where it was like 10, you know, 10, 15 miles an hour at times. So like wind and fast, fast Bermuda greens became a factor. Uh, but today, man, I was with Ben and Carl Yuan and uh, really just – Neither of those two guys had it the entire day. Like Ben was really struggling with his golf swing the entire day. And he had some good iron shots at times. Uh, iron shots that I thought get him over the hump and winning the golf tournament. And Carl Yuan was driving it up, you know, every fairway it seemed like. But he was really struggling with his irons at times, putting, getting in some terrible positions and made virtually nothing on the greens. And Ben Griffin, it was just like watching like a, a slow train wreck. And Ben Griffin's a friend of mine. His caddy's a friend of mine. You know, I was, I wanted Ben Griffin to win. But, you know, when I'm out there having to analyze and commentate on what's going on, man, it just, it was, uh, you know, it was hard to watch at times, just like how, off he was with the golf swing and, and controlling his golf ball only at three fairways. And really that's the only thing. Like if you can just hit fairways out there, the golf course is just, it's literally cake. It's not hard at all. And he just ended up in some terrible spots, but it, it felt like he kept hitting like he would make a putt to like, all right, Oh, he's definitely going to win now. And then he, the next hole would come around and then he would hit in the worst spot that you possibly <laughs> yeah. could hit it. And it was like, we would do that every other yeah. hole and, and it just eventually, dude, like you just run out of, you run out of metal capacity, you run out of just like just general luck. And I don't know if he just lost a little belief there at the end in himself. Mm. Um, he definitely looked like he was running a little quick and a little fast kind of throughout the day, like kind of struggling to get a smile on his face. And he's always been a, very happy-go-lucky guy out on the golf course, but I didn't really sense like a that he was comfortable at all the entire day. Like he definitely looked uncomfortable, and 
you know, on 18, man, I just, I'll go to 18 and the fact that mm. he was in a really nice position, like decent lie in the rough and he's got at the, the probably the biggest green on the golf course and you just could not miss left. And I mean, he, he started at 10 yards left of the flag and ended up in a, in a really tough lie. He actually had an incredible pitch to give himself a six footer to, to win the golf tournament and hit a good putt. Didn't go in. Next thing you know, we got a five-man wolf game in overtime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, uh, you said you talked about your relationship with Ben. I mean, Ben is one of my favorites on tour. Some of the other shows that I produce for PGA Tour Radio, he's been gracious enough to take the time to come on. Is always incredibly thoughtful, insightful. Um, I, I'm not just saying that because he's a fellow North Carolina Tar Heel, but I do love him additionally for that reason. So to see him kind of go down that fashion uh, – was was tough. Uh, we were we were talking about this uh, off air. I think this is, this is an interesting thing to to just go inside the mind of a tour player when he is under that level of pressure. And, and I was wondering whether you thought the struggles he had with the driver. I think I think maybe he hit at one point the, the stat was he'd hit three of thirteen fairways and then he missed the the eighteenth fairway. So I assume it was three of fourteen on the day. That w- when you see a guy like that struggling with the driver, do you think that's more of a product of the pressure of having to close out a PGA Tour win for the first time, or do you see that more as as a mechanical breakdown uh, of the driver swing? I would say, like when you look at his stats and like what he's really good at, he's a very good putter. He's very good around the greens. He's a he's a he's a solid iron player, and He's an okay driver of the ball. Like, he's got a two-way miss with driver. And it's not like a bad two-way miss, not one that, like, you can't play from. But he can hit it left and he can also hit it right. And he hits it right more than he hits it left, but he has the capability of hitting it left. So um, it makes it really difficult to eliminate one side of a golf course. And today it just felt like he didn't have anything he could go to. Like, he didn't have a... Uh, just a smothered fade, uh, just a shot that he knew he could get into the fairway, and he just kept on trying to hit the same shot. And I don't blame him, but um, and to me that would prove to be, you know, the the difference. The fact that like he couldn't make an adjustment. Like if he could have just made one adjustment with the driver out there, he would have won the golf tournament. Um, and it makes me and, it, and and winning is difficult. It's never easy. And I go back to Bermuda when he had a lead over there. And going into today, I was curious to see how he was going to handle it because I felt like Ben Griffin should have won uh, Bermuda last fall. But I felt like he met, he got caught in between being an aggressive player and a conservative player and kind of got, got caught in between. And... When you're trying to win a golf tournament, it needs to either be one or the other. Hmm. And he's a player that plays better when he's aggressive. But today, when you have nothing in your mind but telling you, like, hey, like, we don't have it right now. Let's try to find a fairway. Let's try to find, like, let's get this thing to the house. Like, that's not an aggressive mindset. And it doesn't play to his strengths. So, it wasn't ever going to be easy to him for him to get it to the house. And everybody still felt like he was going to do it, even though it was like a train wreck to the end. So it, you know, it, it was tough to watch in the fact that like he didn't get it done and 
I know he's just got to be gutted right now. Yeah, I, you know, I can't imagine how you bounce back from that. I'm not sure um, which other. I assume he's playing most of the rest of the fall schedule, and and maybe he can break through with that win in the fall. Um, if he doesn't, you know, the hope is that he continues this high level of play even without winning, and maybe ends up in that next ten category. So he ends up in some of those uh, signature events next season. Um, but yeah, clearly a lot of talent there, and you just wonder if some of those near misses are. Um, good experience that eventually helps you get that win next time around um, or if they are scar tissue that is tough to overcome. I, I watched a little bit of his his uh, post-round interview um, and, and he was really, really composed up until they asked him about his mom and his brother being there uh, and just their support. And then he kind of got a little bit choked up just, to, you know, talking about how they maybe wanted him to win more than he wanted to win. So I just hope this is something that, you know, it seems like if there's a guy out there who has his head on straight, who can process this in a positive way, it's been Griffin, but uh, yeah, you know, hope, hopefully can convert on, on an upcoming chance. Um, I promise. Yeah. Oh, go- that is tough. Yeah, just like, just to put a tie a bow on that, just, you know, you look at guys that have had chances to win like he has, and, like, it's going to be tough the next time he has a chance mm-hmm. because it's just – it starts adding up when you're just right there on the doorstep and you don't get it done. And But you have to go back and just, like, rewind the tape. And as a player, you need to find exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Was it – like, for the next time that you're there, was it – like, was I too fast? Was I like, what was I thinking in this situation? Did I, did I make the right decision before the shot was hit? Like, was I fully committed to the shot? All of these things he needs to go back and remember about the thought processes that he had about every single shot that day, because that's the things you learn from, not the result necessarily as much as, what was I thinking in that particular moment that caused that specific outcome? Like, what were you, like, what were you thinking on 18 green? Were you just thinking seven iron at like aiming at the flagstick or were you thinking, you know, seven iron, I want to hit right at this spot in the middle of the green. Like I need to make sure this is the golf swing I make. So I don't hit it left. And those are the things as a player, when you look back to when the next time you're there, you have to be able to learn from what you did the last time you were in a pressure cooker because it's so easy to repeat mistakes in your brain once that moment to be over faster than you ever could realize. So that's for me, if I, if I was Ben and you're not going to be able to sleep tonight, I would just write everything down and 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 know that it's like, you know what, I was right there. I, I should have won that golf tournament how can I learn from this? And that's, I think that's the only thing you can do when you've had, when you have such a difficult loss like Ben did today. Yeah. You know what? And on that specific topic, how much of that includes, how much of that learning process includes his caddy? Cause I thought the conversation that you and Johnson Wagner had about this was really, really interesting early on the round. It was exactly what you're, what you said here, which is you thought he was moving a little bit too fast. And, you know, I think Johnson suggested, Hey, maybe that's a spot where his caddy can jump in and slow him down a little bit. And then, you know, after that shot on 18 goes left, um, you, you all were talking about, you know, hey, that you just can't miss there in that spot. And I think Johnson said, hey, you know, that's where you 
take a club less and you absolutely wail on that thing and aim right and and you either hit it you know straight right in the, you know that part of the green or, or maybe you kind of turn it over a little bit and, and you've got a, a 12 foot birdie putt um i wonder if this is also a learning process for his caddy and and you know how to handle bin in those moments is that something you agree with or, or do you think this is more bin focused well he sees him day to day and and I could, I definitely had moments out there, out there where I felt like he finally settled down. Like I could tell, like he settled down and then something would happen the next hole. It was like a re, it was like a wash, you know, rinse, repeat of like crap. We're right back in the hole that we were in. So like he would finally like hit a good shot and like the second shot and the drive on the par five 14th hole, you're like, okay, he's finally got control of this golf tournament. And then he hits it in the woods on 15 and then has like this crazy ruling. And I'll have to say too, like having back-to-back like rulings on holes, it it takes you out of your rhythm a little bit because now you go from hitting shot to shot to now you're not hitting for five minutes. And all you're thinking about is, you know, just, it's just, you're just out of rhythm. But, you know, from a, I didn't think they made any poor decisions today. I think it was just more execution. Uh, every conversation I heard felt like that they were making the right decision. I didn't hear the one on 18 fairway. Um, I assume that the advice was to be just right of it and that he just, just didn't execute. Um, I thought there was one mistake from a strategy standpoint made actually two strategy decisions in Bermuda that I felt cost him the tournament. Um, I didn't necessarily think that he lost that event because of execution besides maybe one shot. I thought he had hit some bad clubs off tees, but this week it didn't, to me, it was just more of an execution problem. Yeah. Makes a ton of sense. Um, and, and I promise we will <laughs> discuss, you know, eventually discuss the, the winner of this tournament in the playoff, his, yeah. his second win and his second Somebody playoff won. win. But, but before we get to Luke list, I just quickly, I want to touch on, uh, Ludwig Ober, because I mean, this guy of the five guys uh-huh. of the five guys that made it in the playoff, Jeez. he he had the best Sunday round, shot a sixty-eight. Uh, you know, if he makes one more putt, he wins Wait, this thing out. That was the best round today in the playoff. Yeah, Ben shot a seventy-four. Uh, Luke List, Scott Stallings, Henrik Norlander all shot seventies, and Ludwig shot a sixty-eight. So I mean, uh, oh uh, my Lud- god, yeah. he wasn't and, playing and, that hard today, man. Like it wasn't, it wasn't playing hard. It, it it was it was there for the taking, which is you know it's interesting when you see you know I, I think again you know Ben's going to look at this and examine it from a lot of different directions, but to kind of hold the lead he did and and to, to look at it and see hey no one really made a huge move at the top of the board I could have had it I mean that that's going to be a tough one to swallow, but I think Ludwig was the guy who. Really, and it's and it's stunned me that you know. If anything, I thought he would back up on a Sunday, given that he's you know a week removed from this huge emotional and and, and physical uh, release of the Ryder Cup, winning that Ryder Cup, and and, and I would have guessed he would have run out of steam. But quite the opposite, he was the guy that was charging at the end and and made it into that playoff. Um, I know you weren't with Ludwig's group, but I mean, how how impressed are you? With, with that finish and the week he had, uh, not really expecting much, if anything, from him after, you know, coming over from Rome and and, and, and all that, that that experience required in terms of energy. 
No, I got to watch them on Thursday or Friday all day, and I can't remember which day it was. The week's kind of flown by. He uh, He's really impressive, man. Uh, obviously, got to watch him play with Victor twice at the Ryder Cup. So I got to see him in action, but then see him again this week. I thought he looked a little nervous at the Ryder Cup, which rightfully so. He had every right to be nervous. <laughs> but this, the match where they won 9-7, and seven, I started to see like, oh, shit. This is what this is what everybody's been talking about, and he was really he was really good that day. And then I saw a lot of that uh, when I watched him play either Thursday or Friday. He uh, honestly, it was an absolute stripe show. He didn't hit it outside of like ten feet when I was watching. It was it was uh, quite the joke to be honest. But uh, it was definitely Thursday. It was Thursday. I think he shot five or six under or something, and. Really, just no weaknesses in his game. In his game, one thing I'll, I'll mention about him that I really, really liked, besides his talent, is I like how quickly he plays. He makes decisions quick. He reads putts quick, and he gets up there and, and just reacts. And I think a lot of players now, when they come out, um, I haven't seen somebody with quite as good of as a as of a routine that Ludwig has. It's very consistent. It's quick. He makes decisions fast, and he goes in there and executes. So that's one thing I really picked up on him. Besides just that he's a, a potentially a generational type talent. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I it would have really, it would have stunned me and pleasantly surprised me if he somehow recorded his first PGA Tour win. Uh, this weekend, coming off the Ryder Cup, I think we would have had a field day with that as as uh, in the media. Um, but I don't think he's far yeah. off, and, and I'll be I'll be curious to see well, how many more of these you events know what he plays to him this week. Right? Well, uh, no, tell me. So he was like, based on his number, because he was a PGA Tour member, he was right around like one twenty five to one thirty this week going into the week. So this. Basically, this T second for him, I think, is going to lock him up into the top 125 yes. category. So he's not going to be in the rookie category next year. He'll be in the top 125 category, which gets him into players, which I'm sure – I don't know if the PGA Youth thing got him into that, but he'll be in the players' championship, and he's not going to be subject to any reshuffles. Yes, I, I did. I did see that earlier in the week that the reason because we were trying to figure out um, why he why he was playing, you know, this event specifically coming out the Ryder Cup, but why he playing the fall at all. If he'd earned yep. his tour status via finishing first in the PGA Tour U deal. But that made a lot of sense that, that you know, that it's a better category to be in top 125. And so, yes, you know, I, I and so I'll, I'll actually be curious to see if this is going to be enough for him or if he feels like he needs to play a few more fall events. Um, you know, I'm not sure if, you know, it, it, traveling back and forth, if it's like, hey, I want to go play the Zozo because I'm an international guy. You know, maybe there's some allure there, but then that means he went from Europe to America to Japan. So I, you know, who knows? But um definitely a, a a really 
big statement for him this week to get into that playoff and nearly win the thing uh, coming off the Ryder Cup. So, you know, excited to see what what the future holds for him. Um, let's let's do get to our winner, Luke List, because, you know, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're however many minutes in and we have we haven't even broken down his win. I mean, this guy like an absolute playoff killer. Like I, I when when he got into this playoff. Um, and he was in the fairway. I was like, man, I wonder if he's going to just absolutely stuff it like he did at the 2022 Farmers Insurance Open when he beat Will Zalatoris. And when he left that outright, I was like, oh, you know, kind of kind of a downer there. That was his moment. But then it didn't matter because he's buried. Like I know. A I, kinda, I sent it up. I sent it up bad. I sent it up bad because like he fl- absolutely flushed his iron shot. And I said, this is a beauty. I thought it was, honestly, I thought it was better. And then I was like, ooh, it's not quite as good as I thought it was. <laughs> I was like, ooh, beauty. I was like, oh, how am I going to save this by calling it a beauty when it's going to be 40 feet away? <laughs> oh, man. That's, uh, yeah. that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I, I was I was curious. I, you know, it's tough to know, like, where you all are on the course as walkers uh, because that's got to be like, I mean, shoot, like, sometimes I'm out on the course with buddies and I'm like, Hey, it's like, man, that's, that's one of the best shots I've ever seen. And then it comes up like 20 yards short. I'm like, man, I would be really bad yeah, at doing Smiley's sh- job if I had to do Smiley's job. <laughs> uh, man, I was like, I was like kind of behind him. So like, it was definitely a, you see, I was looking for balls just to be right at the flag. And I thought the wind would push it back like more like 20 feet away, which I thought was a great, would have been a great shot. And it just just kind of hung out there, but he flushed it so nice that I just gave so much props to like somebody hitting it solid that, you know, I didn't see very many solid shots out there today. And I was like, ooh, that was really good. I was like, oh, wait, it's not as good as like I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, to me, Luke, Luke List is I, it, he's hard to put in a bucket is maybe the best way to say it, because I feel like. All the different guys on tour are pretty easy to be like, he's this type of a player, you know, whether I'm grouping him by age or, you know, the type of player that he, that he is or, or you know, or, or the group in which he lives in terms of world ranking or, you know, the type of events he's won. But he's 38 years old, so obviously a relatively late bloomer. And now he's won twice in two years. Uh, I mean, you know, what do you what do you make of a guy like this winning yeah, he's winning a fall event, but I mean, d- does this kind of give him some juice heading into next year? I actually, I, I have to look at the FedEx Cup list. Like, I'm not sure where he's at in the FedEx Cup list, the world rankings, any of that. But now he's a guy that if you, I feel like we gotta we gotta kind of pay attention to now that he's won one. Yeah, Luke was like right around 125 coming into the week, and he had won in Farmers last year, so he was still in the winners category next year. But he was playing. Uh, obviously you want to finish in the top 125. So like that, that's important. But then also for him, he was playing for the 51 to 60 category and then winning. Yeah. Like he got the job done and to put, you know, you were trying to figure out how to characterize Luke. I mean, he's always been a very good ball striker. He's been a very long player, very well known for being a very long player, not quite as long as some of these guys are today, but still very long, but he's been a guy that, has really struggled with the putter, like especially inside of six feet, Mm. like to a point where you're like, he's got some serious issues inside of 10 feet. Like it was noticeable stats show it. Like he's outside of a 200 type of putter. That's how bad it's been at times in his career. And this week he was like second in putting 
or second or third in putting. He putted so well. And Johnson Wagner said this on the broadcast yesterday. He said he uh, he was working with um, he was working with. I'm trying to remember. It was uh, he just started working with Cameron McCormick, and I think it was on his putting with all of his processes and. And I didn't hear exactly if they made any setup changes, but he looked really comfortable all week. And he's bounced around with a lot of putting coaches and trying to just figure out that that side of the game because that's been something that's held him back. So to see him make a, a putt like that on 18 for a guy who's been known for not being a great putter, that had to be just such a cool moment because I was right behind him, man. And that thing was never leaving the hole. I had my hand up 10 feet out. I said, that's in, that's cashed, made it. Yeah. I mean, there you go. If you're a guy that has problems six feet and in, you know, you just solve that by just making 40 footers and then you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> six feet. Um, I, right. uh, yep. doing some research on the fly here. It appears he is projected to move up to 61st, uh, on the points list. And, uh, I, I guess by virtue, so I, they, the graph that they showed tonight is it's got him in the first few of those signature events. I wasn't sure how that winner's signature event thing was going to work for an exemption, but this gets him into those. And then, uh, of course, if, if he moves up into that, uh, I guess the next 10 will reset after those events. I, so he's got he's got no reason to chase it then, huh? I, I think so. I, I I think, and here here we are. We're doing the uh, we're doing the uh, how does the FedEx Cup fall apply to the next ten and swing five categories uh, discussion once again. But I, I think I think basically the way it's going to work, if I understand it correctly, is this win gets him in AT and T Pro Am and the Genesis, and so for winning for, for winning. winning for winning right not 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 getting into fifty one sixty so. Once we get past those two events, that next ten category, it, it, it's the the full version of that category no longer exists anyway. It, it, it rolls over to whoever the next ten are in 2024. So now that he's in, he has no real reason to continue playing in the fall. Um, you know, be, be, because he's already done the thing that he's trying to do, which is get into those first two signature events in addition to yeah, exactly. the Masters and the PGA. So I assume we saw him there with his family at the end of the broadcast. That was super cool. Maybe he gets to go spend some time with them. That would be awesome. Um, so That's what I would do, yeah. man. I'd cash it in. See ya. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, smell you. Awesome, awesome win for him. Um, but you know, listen, we're, we're I don't know how much to drive time you have left, but it's time to, to flip to turn the page to what many call the fifth major, the Shriners Children's <laughs> Open in Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> Smiley, I'm wondering, do you have any like big ceremonial duties this this week? Are, are you are you going to be there for this? Is this an NBC event? It's a golf channel week. Um, I'm not I'm not working. I'm not. I only have one more event. I'm working the rest of the year, and that's in Sea Island. So I'm uh, I am off. Um, they definitely wanted me to do it, but I'm. Uh, Francie and I are going to go to the one football game of the year. We're going to that LSU Auburn game. We're not going to play each other for because um, Auburn rolls off our schedule. So we just wanted to see each other play probably for the last time for a while. Are you guys going to wear like house divided split in half jerseys? Did you guys have anything cool worked up there for Anna Carter? <laughs> yeah, she's got like a, I don't, I don't know what you call baby clothes, but uh, 
some stitch in with like LSU and Auburn on it. Uh, I'm sure it's, it, I'm sure it's going to look fabulous. I just, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the problem. You know, it's here's the thing. It's like she's already been to an Auburn game and she wore all Auburn gear. So it kind of feels mm. rude that she's not wearing LSU gear in Baton Rouge, but I also don't dress my daughter. So it maybe if I took a little more pride in what she wore, then I'd have more of a say so, but I guess I'm just going to have to let it slide. It ain't that big of a deal. I think that's a fair request. We'll see. We'll have to see how this works. I mean, I, I we live, you know, 15 minutes for a mile of mater, so it's easy to say every time Walker goes to Carolina games, he's wearing Carolina stuff. But if Virginia Tech comes to town, I guess that's a discussion we'll have. But, I mean, shoot, I've taken my son to four live Carolina sporting events, and one of them was against the team that Amanda played on, the Virginia Tech women's soccer. And – Carolina has won all four of those events. So I feel like he's kind of the Carolina good luck charm here. And as as, as long as that continues, he's going to keep wearing Carolina gear. So, I mean, I don't know how you – yeah, I, I think that's a discussion you got to sort out with Francie on the, on the LSU. I, I get it. I get that you're trying to kind of do the – equal side sort of thing, the split Jersey, but you know, maybe there's it's like, Hey, this is Baton Rouge. Like we got to kind of, we got to wear LSU stuff in Baton Rouge. We go to Auburn. We can wear Auburn stuff. Like, that, that feels like a fair compromise. Yeah, no, I think so. Uh, I'm looking forward to the weekend and uh, yeah, just got awesome time off. Uh, need to get back in shape a little bit. I feel like, just coming back from Rome and just going straight to Jackson. I haven't had a chance to just like be at home and kind of get in the gym a little bit, play a little golf. So look forward to all that too. Yeah. I'm looking forward to doing none of those things. Cause I'm going to be in a large neck brace for the next six weeks <laughs> as of uh, surgery on Tuesday. Uh, so that'll be interesting. The yeah. next time we, I pop up on YouTube, we'll see how, we'll see how that's all working out. Um, yeah. So this is, this is interesting. We're entering a very, unique period of the fall schedule where we go to the side of your win but uh we also i I don't know what our coverage is going to look like we'll see how i'm feeling on next sunday night and and whether or not we make a a, the neck brace makes its first appearance on the youtube channel could be could be a big could be a big (laughs) a a, a good look for us could be good for content exactly man (laughs) i'm i'm excited well i know we got a good episode on thursday coming out uh, that was a fun conversation, but we got some other guests that are lined up that we're uh, really excited about. And I think everybody else will be excited about too. So a lot, a lot coming up here on the show that uh, I have some time to really uh, dig in and get some great guests on. Yes, it's going to be a big off season for the Smiley Show. The names in the hopper are, they are marquee. They are, they are billboards. So uh, be on the lookout for those soon. Uh, as Smiley mentioned, we have Patrick Rinna on Thursday, but you probably know him as Hamilton Porter, a.k.a. the great Hambino from The Sandlot. Maybe the most iconic baseball movie of all time. Uh, if you disagree with that, just tweet at us. Healthy debate. We love it. Um, so, yeah, we got that to look forward to on Thursday. We have a recap of the fifth major, the Shriners Children's Open, coming for you the following week. And, uh, yeah, with that... With that said, we're going to let Smiley get back on the road. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. The Smiley Show is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast.